Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and it's finally four weeks later. It's final, finally four weeks have passed by, and man, did they just really rush that last one, and then the other ones dragged on forever. How many weeks were weeks? Who knows? But Who suddenly knows? it's March. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, it uh, time has come, uh, and they're just going to do it all in one go. Uh, they're gonna be like, you don't have to think about, you don't have to count that time anymore. <laughs> We've done it. We've done it. We're, we th- don't ever like to line up our time with real life time, except for Halloween. No, because because <laughs> it currently today, the day that we are recording, it is February thirteenth. <laughs> And in Riverdale, it is the Ides of March. <laughs> it is the Ides of March. <laughs> which is March 15th. Well, I mean, it's express. It especially begins on March 11th. <laughs> so here's the deal with the Ides of March. You're going to do this now? I'm just going to explain what it is. Sure. Roman calendar doesn't work like our calendar. They, par- they count down from three points within the month. The nuns. Like, none. Like, zero. Which is the f- beginning of the month. Okay. The Ides. Well, okay, the beginning of the month, like, the fifth or seventh. Okay. It's not the zero of the month. All right, fair enough. The Ides, which is, like, the 13th most months, but sometimes the 15th in the spookiest of months. March. And October. <laughs> October also has Ides. And then the... uh Calit. Well, all months have Ides, but it's usually sorry, it's the 13th. Yes. All months have Ides. October and March have the weird Ides. the spooky Ides. Spooky Ides. <laughs> and also the Calends, which is... The end of the month. Nope. It's the nuns. What? It's what you would guess would be the nuns because it's the first of the next month. I don't, I don't like... That. Man, I don't want to judge the past on their calendar system, but I don't get that. That's like when the French Revolution did their calendar and they're like, why is it... December. <laughs> I'm sure it's a thing that would make more sense if it wasn't me being like, when I did my theater degree, <laughs> I knew a thing. It's true. If you can, if you want to tell us exactly how that worked, mostly what it comes down to. So the reason, here's a spoiler alert for, I guess, Julius Caesar. <laughs> the reason the Ides of March are always seen as so um, uh, spooky, spooky um, other than them being the 15th or the 13th, uh, is that that's when Julius Caesar was stabbed, I guess. And it's about hubris. Yeah. It's about a man who was warned by a soothsayer. He was warned by a person who can see the future. Kind of like Jughead and DuPont. Huh? No. Sure. <laughs> no. I mean, DuPont is like, I'm warning you, Jughead, beware the Ides of March. No, no one says beware the Ides of March. They just say the Ides of March over and over. Do you want, you know what? This episode <laughs> is very, very strange. Um, And it's... It was very weird. Yeah, I, we, try, we, I, we, we try met to, characters yeah. who we've never met before. We try not to do – oh, and we meet characters who we've met a long time before, but now we finally get, I guess. Yeah. Um, We try to sort of do, like, before the break, a kind of, like, non-spoilery uh, thing of, like, what's a, what we're about to do. I guess here's my non-spoiler review of this episode. It's not great. And we watched it separately, which will make this <laughs> – Better? Oh, we're going to find out. Because, Aaron, today is Riverdale, Season 4, Episode 13, when the Ides usually are. Hmm. Not spooky. The Ides of March. The Ides of March. It's the 15th of March, but in real life, it's 
not that. So it's the 11th of March. <laughs> Which, to be fair, this episode aired yesterday, the 12th of February. Nothing nope. good. Um, so it is the 11th of March. A Monday. They will tell us repeatedly what day it is, which makes things bad. Because that's important <laughs> in this episode and no others. Okay. Hey, you know what? They did it, they did it month or day by day. Uh, and they're very, very uneven. It's not an even spread of days. No. But you know what? I say, let's take a lead from them. Aaron, it's Monday. It's Monday, and Archie wakes up at 4.45 a.m. It starts like every Monday does, where Archie (laughs) gets some coffee. Archie's life is very sad. He makes a pot of coffee. He takes most of it for himself, but then tells his mother he loves her in a post-it. Yeah, it it is actually very depressing to see this... uh, This child, this child, get up before the sun's up, make some coffee, go to work, and then I guess make coffee and get donuts for the full-grown adults who work at the... (laughs) And the impression I get is he gives them their work assignments for the day. For there is no boss at Andrew's construction any longer. Yeah, so he does that. And then he goes to the El Royale where we meet... Monroe's grandmother! Who will show up for this scene! And never again. And he says to her, hello, Monroe's grandmother. (laughs) I am so sorry you have to run my community center during the daytime. It's only temporary. Until (laughs) what, Archie? Until what? I like how this episode is Archie being given so many outs and deciding, no, my honor is more important. Like, this old lady would love to run his community center because he got her grandson. Yeah, I bet she would be fine, like, actually just running it. For full like, time, if she if he could like give her some money, yeah, any money, yeah, like she he got her grandson into Notre Dame. She loves it, yeah, and her and her other grandson Off goes the there streets. and goes to that community center. And she's like, "So Archie, where will you go to college next year?" Like, oh, you know, I bet a guy like you would doing all these things. Colleges must be really looking for you. And Archie goes, "Oh yeah, college." So then he meets <laughs> with Mister Honey and goes, "So it's March." May I go to college? I don't. The problem is, didn't we have entire episodes about him being like, maybe college isn't for me. Maybe that's not the choice. This sudden flip to him being like, Mr. Honey, I just realized college. Should I apply? And, of course, because Mr. Honey can't be, like. Mr. Honey is a bad principal. Mr. Honey is a very bad principal. But can I just say, the things he says make sense in the worst, but he says them in the worst way. Here's the thing. If any adult ever cared about Archie at any point over the last two years, we would not be in this situation. Yeah, because he he explains, like, well, for the last two years, grades have been really bad. I mean, he once again, he's going to be very mean about it because he is a bad person. Uh, But he says... (laughs) Essentially, he explains that Archie... Probably won't graduate. Having a hit on him by his girlfriend's dad, having his dad die, doing a lot of grown-up things. No, to be absolutely fair, to be absolutely fair, Mr. Honey was not there for any of that. (laughs) But also, to be absolutely fair, a lot of other grown-ups, including that one guidance counselor we saw that one time... Yeah. Should have helped him. <laughs> I would like the idea of a principal coming to school and being and being like, "All right, this, 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 this student is like, oh, that was a child maker. Oh, that's Archie Andrews. 
Uh, his girlfriend's dad put a hit out on him, so he had to like, go on the run in Canada for a while. I think he was mauled by a bear. He was arrested, but he was actually found that he was not, he was actually just falsely accused by the same girlfriend's uh, father. But he had to be in juvie for like six months. I think he was part of a boy fight club. We, we were pretty sure this boy fight club because it was shut down, so there was definitely a boy fight club. Um, and the, <laughs> the principal just goes. There's no way that could be true. <laughs> you have these to, are all lies. You have to be lying. Like I, I almost, I almost feel like if you just came in and they just told you that story, I might act like Mr. Honey, where I'm just like, "You're all tricking me somehow. Somehow this is a trick. This is a scam. I don't know what it is yet. I don't know how. You, I don't know what the outcome will be. I don't know what you're trying to get out of me, but someone here is scamming me. Because here's the thing, Reggie. He pulled a prank on me. <laughs> Where's Reggie? Uh, so Archie's wondering, because uh, because Mr. Honey says, you probably won't even be able to graduate, which is a rough thing to tell someone in March. Yeah, um, maybe he should have had, like, a lot of meetings with the guidance counselor before <laughs> then. It's fine. Nobody meets with anybody. Uh, but, but Archie's like, well, can I still walk the stage? And Mr. Honey <laughs> describes this as a hollow gesture. It would be absolutely absurd, and it's unfair to everyone else who didn't have their lives blown up <laughs> underneath their feet to allow him to have fun for one day. This is why I believe that Honey thinks he's being pranked, because because <laughs> there's no way he believes all that stuff that happened. Because having that kid at least be able to walk the stage, who got through being mauled by a bear and put in jail by the guy who's now the mayor, and yeah! <laughs> having a hit put out him by the guy who's, who's now, now the, the mayor. mayor. Uh, like, it feels like he, like, doesn't it feel like Mr. Honey should be a pawn of Hiram? But I don't. Very much so. I don't think he is. I think he's just a bad teacher. You know what? We've only had one good teacher and he committed suicide, so. Well, let's move on to see what else he will do on Monday morning. How about Veronica? Well, Hiram drinks some coffee and because he has a neuromuscular disorder, he spills that coffee on himself. Yes, and because Veronica does not know how to process emotions. She jumps up to help him. And and, and he goes, I don't need your help. And she goes, fine, you'll never get it. Now, I would want to say that is ridiculous and over-the-top and insane, but very much what a hyper-emotional teenager would do in that circumstance. And if Veronica had been a better character for so long, I'd be like, cool, this is a complex, interesting storyline. Oh, we will get into Veronica's quote-unquote storyline this episode. But first... She has to run to school! Where Archie is sad playing the guitar in the music room. Is this before or after he talked to Miss Honey? Where was she in the morning? Because this is very clearly, she went straight from home to this music room. So Archie had his meeting at... before school? I mean, I guess it makes sense. He did go straight from, I said, work to... El Royale to school. So, you know what? Sure. Then he went to the music room because there's no classes in this place. And, like, Archie has not played guitar for seasons and seasons, but now he has emotions. Yes, and now that he has emotions, it's time for them to have open sex in the music room. And once again... I thought someone was watching, but it was just a cool camera angle. No, they just wanted to show that door closed and, and the fact that anybody walking by could look at it and see that. Archie's- no, why is there no one at the school in the morning? Like it's Because just- now it has to be like right before classes, right? Yeah. Or is I- it during classes? Did Archie just decide, well, I'll never graduate again? Oh, uh, who knows? Veronica explains this away because Archie's like, oh, that was weird. And I'm like, <laughs> was it? Veronica explains away by that when she was NYC, she was reminded about how little time they have left together. I'm like, like you have with your dad, I guess, is the parallel. And she's like, I don't want to think about the future. I just want fun. Always fun. Forever fun. I like how she says, 
Um, and like, and I, we never discussed what we're gonna do, like when, when like after this is all done. So let's and, not. So let's not it. discuss it. <laughs> let's once, have fun once again. This is actually like good teenager not processing emotions. If she was a better character before this, this would be really compelling. But unfortunately, we know Veronica, and she's not a human being. If she was actually a driven, smart person who now is throwing things away because she just wants to have fun, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Jughead's Monday also has a meeting before school. <laughs> Dupont calls him into the seminar room to kick him out of the Quillen skull. Which I did not realize you could just do that out of a secret society. And this is happening because Betty broke into the private room. Oh, do you, do you know what they call it? The Sanctum Sanctorum. <laughs> it is 100% just a room that doesn't have a door. And <laughs> no one has ever opened up a door to get into that room. Man, they really set up this Quillen skull like this big dark thing. I think it's just the five of them. <laughs> I think it's just these five <laughs> people. <so> <laughs> And it's a room that anyone can walk into, but they're mad at Jughead. Well, I mean, the thing is, they rented out that room for that night. <laughs> oh, they had the booking. We had it was on the booking form. The, the drama club uses it on Tuesdays, but on Thursday nights, we get it. I we're know at the Quill and Skull. I know we were doing chess upstairs, but that does not mean that we didn't have the booking. We still booked it. That's not fair. He so, also terminates Jughead's contract because Jughead has not turned in a satisfactory book. By the 15th of March, which is in four days. And as Jughead says, the 15th of March? The Ides of March? That's this Friday. <laughs> and I wish that was, and I wish that was not the line. But he does, him and DuPont constantly refer to it as the Ides of March. And we soo fi- soon find out why. Because he rants to Betty. Mm-hmm. Well, before he rants to Betty, he's like, I can write a book by Friday. And DuPont's like, oh, your crappy book took you forever to write. How can you write a book by Friday? I don't think it did take him forever to write as well. Like we, it, It's definitely March. Anyway, so, <laughs> so he calls up his brainstorm buddy, Betty. And he's like, Betty, the Ides of March. It's really important here at Stonewall. They throw a party because they're nerds. <laughs> yeah, they're like the people who, wa- who watch them. Um, uh, who watch Fight Club and don't get it why they shouldn't like Tyler Durden. They're very much those people. They're like, yeah, we should celebrate a day where Caesar was killed. And we should celebrate Caesar. We love Caesar. <laughs> we celebrate Caesar on that day. Well, we didn't learn the lessons of this. No, no. Um, but Betty says, well, why don't you just like do what you always do and don't come up with anything new and just write what happens to you. So Chuck had this time write a book about a secret society at a prep school. <laughs> Everyone will definitely sign off on that book. Yeah. I want to point out that he writes the book, and not once does a Baxter brother show up in that book. Um, <laughs> I thought the back, I thought he says they're, I thought they're the two main characters. That Those are their not, names. the two main characters are Jarhead and Bison. Oh. <laughs> yep, yeah, okay. I mean, maybe they're side characters. <laughs> It's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. Duet is also really bad. Man, we're just rocking through this. Hiram. Hiram has decided in his moment of weakness that there's only one place he can go. Let's hang out with Archie. Because Archie is the only person who really (laughs) tests his limits. Yeah. Hiram comes in and Archie's like, what the? What are you? What are you doing here? And Hiram's like, I can't be weak again. I want to work out, but not at Solstice, where I have a membership, and not at my Pembroke fancy gym. I want to work out here, 
Because it sucks. Because, Archie, I wear too many suits. <laughs> but now i got to be strong. Archie, you need to tell me what's what. It's it's a very convoluted reason to get Hiram and Archie to talk to each other. And Archie's like, I mean, I guess you can work out here. Please write me all the checks <laughs> yeah. to me. Y- yeah, y- well. <laughs> I mean, to the gym. Yeah, to to Fred Andrews. <laughs> community center. Rah. Actually, I still called the El Royale, so I don't know. His shirt says El Royale. It does, and they call it the El Royale in the um, <laughs> synopsis of the episode. Hmm. Hey, Aaron. It's Tuesday. Jughead's book sucks. He reads to the Power Rangers and its autobiographical <laughs> hokum, as DuPont says. He does make mention of the perfect murder, which he will make mention of many times. And I think we're supposed to think that DuPont is mean, but DuPont is correct. That book sucks. It, it not only does it suck, why is he reading it out to the class? The people who are his enemies. What? what? It, doesn't it feel like Jughead and Betty can't get a grasp on these people are definitely bad? Let's stop being sharing su- our plans well, with them and let's stop being surprised when they're bad like there, there's a moment later where betty will be like maybe dupont is also an evil one and i'm like yes betty jughead they're all evil they're all bad it's stop. a school of evil people stop i mean maybe everyone else is fine at least the power rangers and dupont like stop getting surprised that the people who are very clearly in cahoots with each other, who are constantly hanging out with each other... Are in cahoots are in with cahoots. each other. They're so shocked when they're like, wait, Jonathan's involved? How could they not think DuPont was bad when he was like, hey, you're out of the Quill and Skull, and also... Also, I can't figure out if the Quill and Skull is bad, because it seems like... like Or the Brotherhood is bad, because it seems like Jughead could get around DuPont to the Brotherhood because DuPont and his group are doing weird things to discredit Jughead to the to the Baxter Brothers people, which makes it seem like they're not actually... So did the Baxter Brothers people hate his first book or did DuPont never submit it to them? I, Aaron, I don't know. We'll have to get there when we get there because there's another storyline and it's also not good. So this is also maybe in the morning... <laughs> Uh, it's def- or it's that night. Who it's knows? It's definitely Tuesday. And it's Cheryl and Tony. And they're at the Maple Club. And the phone rings. And Cheryl answers. And she says, hello, Ellie's Essential Oils. So I guess that's their cover for if anyone calls that number. They're not secretive in any other way, though. So they are a speakeasy. Yeah. But once again, they're not secretive in any other way. Only that very specific way. But it turns out we do discover that they test newcomers. I guess. (laughs) Cheryl and or Tony goes to meet them, I think. A high roller, a Le Bon Nuit, which we see now and is a (laughs) teenager's a teenager club. Yeah, they sell Cokes. Yep. And they meet uh, Rosa, who I saw and went, that's Hermosa. I did give it a moment where I was like, I get, am I being overly suspicious? Well, so Because they do keep her dark and she does wear a wig. Yeah, and she wears those glasses. But the thing is, like, we've already seen her in disguise. And she looks, like, it and, looks like her. And we saw her at the table beforehand. Like, the, the thing is, like, I don't know how much they actually wanted us to be surprised that it was um, Hermosa. But, like, they really drag it on for a while. And I was pretty much at the beginning, I'm like... Either it's Hermosa or they made a real bad casting choice. Oh, they're doing a real trick, a tricky trick. Well, and especially in this one, this scene right here, she looks very... 
she looks a lot older than Hermosa normally looks like, and she will just start hitting on Tony. And I was uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable. And Tony was not uncomfortable? N- no, because because this is, I guess, the their their play, the things that they do. But Tony says, oh, no, I'll talk to my partner to see if you can find out about our secret speakeasy, and I'll meet you back here tomorrow. Yes, she is a rum connoisseur, so she's heard about it. And And she wants to go to the Maple Club or invest. It's unclear. I think just go. Well. Anyway, do you know who else is at the the teen club? The owner of the teen club. Veronica. Her and Archie dance and... Then uh, Veronica orders some Cokes, and Archie's like, well, I must be at work at 5 a.m., so she, goodbye. She also takes a swig from a flask. She does do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Archie needs to be with Veronica, and Veronica's like, oh, come on, let's let's party. And I'm like, okay, so. I see. I guess they're, guess they're going this route, and they will continue down that route for a little bit. But here's what I'm going to say. It does not seem to, like, if, if Veronica just started doing this, I'd be like, yeah, that seems in character. You know what I'm going to say? She doesn't go far enough because she never spins out. No, she doesn't. This feels completely in character. And I, I mean, it, it, how do I describe that? It's in character in a way that I'm like, this is not her spiraling. This is just her. Like, if she had done this in any other episode, I'd be like, yeah, okay, so she's being a little bit... We've seen her drink rum in many episodes. <laughs> yeah, none of this is like, oh man, she's losing control. What I want is an I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so scared moment. Well, th- Give me that Jesse Spano. Well, no, we've we've seen the OC. We've seen we've seen a party girl spin out. And this is not that. <laughs> not that. We need her to be drinking from her flask at school. And not only that, she needs to do something that puts her in danger or someone she loves in danger. She needs to drive a car? She needs to do something actually that's caught this, that looks like a spiral instead of everyone just being like, hey, Veronica, you're clearly spiraling when she's not. Hey, Aaron. It's Wednesday. Jughead reads more of his book and it continues to suck and it's not a book, <laughs> it's a journal. Yep. Or a short story. It involves getting buried alive and once again, as Aaron said, and I've now been made clear to me, it's not, uh, there's no Baxter Brothers in it. No, he talks about how Jarhead got drugged because they're going to kidnap or murder his roommate Bison. <laughs> this is how Riverdale does show, like, the name of, of like, proper nouns like this is how they do five seasons now they've done it in his book and his book sucks it's way we've gone too many turtles down (laughs) (laughs) if the people in the book start making more like they start writing their own they start writing their own book oh man what if they hit to the end of the book it just gets recursive and he's like and then he's then they started writing a book and here's how it went (laughs) jughead was writing a book about his life jarhead Oh, no, Aaron, you can't... No, no. In the book about the book, about the book. Oh, man. So Jarhead's writing a book about Jughead? You no, can't... Jarhead's writing a book about Jubehead. Okay, so... Jubehead is writing a book about Jughead. Oh, man. <laughs> That's how deep this it, goes. It, gets, it goes pretty deep before it gets recursive. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Riverdale's so clever. Hiram is taking some time to work out. And Archie is taking some time to ask Jughead for business... Jughead. Uh, Hiram. Archie's taking some time to ask Hiram for business advice because, sadly, Archie is not as good at business as Veronica. I'm not as good as Veronica. I can't run two businesses and be good in school. And I'm like, yeah, neither should Veronica. 
Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> you're Archie. You're the reason you can't do it is because you're not a plot device. <laughs> you're a fully fledged character. And Hiram is like, maybe you shouldn't run two businesses <laughs> as a child. Yeah, he says it like it's very sage advice. Like, oh, maybe we should shed one of them. But really, it's just like, I mean, you're yeah, a you boy. Sh- you're a boy. <laughs> I know I've tried to kill you many times, but you are a boy. You definitely should not do that. Uh, Archie explains how he's thinking of selling to Vic, and his dad apparently liked Vic. He doesn't like him, though. <laughs> I assume because he wants to buy. Because <laughs> he wants to buy Andrew's construction. No further information. We will meet Vic. Vic seems nice. <laughs> but first, Hiram gave some advice, so Archie now has to meet with Tom Keller. And he's like, hey, Tom Keller, remember how you ran my construction company and it was very good? What if I, I sell my construction company, which you ran, you did a good job at, and I let you run El Royale? <laughs> I'm like, this is not the way I thought it was going to go. I thought he was going to sell the company to, to Tom. Tom. But instead he calls Tom in, a guy who has work experience at his company, and says, why don't you do something different? And Tom's like, Archie, I just want a job. <laughs> If you give me a job, will you maybe not fire me this time? I want Archie, I want to be in this show. I haven't seen my son in so long. We're not allowed to have scenes together. I have a question. Yeah. When Tom Keller worked for Andrew's Construction before, yeah. was he paid for that or was he just helping? Oh, man. There's no way to know. Because <laughs> I'm genuinely not sure. Uh, there is no way possibly... That we could know that because I don't think there's anyone in the world who could answer that question. I truly don't. Not even Tom Keller. No, I don't think there's anybody that exists or does not exist. I don't think there's any any person or concept, real or fictional, that can answer that question. <laughs> I think if someone was like, hey, Tom Keller, were you paid for uh, when you worked at, Ar- at um, Archie's construction company, I think he would just, like, his face would split like he was glitching out, <laughs> and then he would come back and be like, I'm the sheriff here. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we learned some good facts in this next scene with uh, DuPont and uh, uh, Jughead and all of them. But and the most, all the Power Rangers. Yeah, but the most important one, Trini's last name is Berkeley. And her first name is Joan. As we'll learn later. Uh, so now we have Jonathan. Joan Berkeley, Brett, or, or Brent. <laughs> Brent Whelan Weston, who knows? Oh, who knows? And Donna. <laughs> I know they've told us some names, and Brent's name just is nothing. It's nothing. It's, it, it's, it's, double, it's two W's in the last name. Usually they do alliteration all the way through. He just got at the end. I know they've told us his name so many times. Brett Wallen Weston. <laughs> Maybe it's here's the thing. Those sounds are correct. <laughs> I know that the, the na- cadence is the there. cadence is right. the The word might not be, but the cadence I nailed it. So that's not the most important part of the scene. The most important part of the scene is Jughead has been accused of plagiarism. Oh no! Even it- the headmaster knows. Oh man, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> I, once again, I do not know how deep this conspiracy goes, because it really seems like people... Anyway, he's like, oh, well, what was it? This Brett Wissawheeling guy? And they're like, no, Jonathan has revealed the short story you wrote that got you into Yale was his short oh, once story. Again, here's Jughead being shocked, like, Jonathan, you're involved too? What did you think was going what? on? Why did you think those Power Rangers were there being mean to you? They're all 
in it together, Jughead. It's been obvious since the time they watched Mr. Chipping jump out the window and no one made an emotion. It's... <laughs> It's so infuriating. We know. Yeah, we didn't know their names, but we knew they were bad. You're the you're the last one to figure out that I these mean, people are bad. Jughead picked Donna to be his second for the duels. <laughs> well, that's because he had no other option. Because he knew no one else's you name. No one else's name. He'd be like, uh, DuPont. DuPont's like, no. <laughs> He's like, me? Mr. Chipping? He's dead. Oh. Uh, that head- guy. <laughs> Say my name and I'll be your be your second. The headmaster. <laughs> Say his name and he'll be your second. John Headmaster. <laughs> Sir Anthony Headmaster. Uh, so Jonathan reveals that he has a computer with time stamps stamps that prove he wrote the story. Now can I just which say Which proves nothing? <laughs> yeah. Um he apparently wrote Featherless Wings, but then Jughead is like, no, I have a laptop. This is that I wrote it first. And then Brett Whelan Weston is like, nay, nay, I gave you a laptop three weeks ago. You never had a laptop before that. And I'm like, no, this can't be the play they made. This can't have been the thing they he gave him a laptop they for. They didn't put spy equipment on the laptop. They just gave him a new one so he because, wouldn't have his laptop. Because he goes back and he can't find it because they clearly stole it and probably destroyed it because why would you keep it? And, like, wait, that was the play? It wasn't some cool, like, oh, and now we're tracking, like, like dark society stuff. It's literally this. I made jokes about Cosmic Mind chess, like, last this is some insane... <laughs> they were planning this three weeks ago. So, that's not that long. <laughs> well, no, but... But it is? Well, it's a weird thing to be like, oh, yeah, I'll buy him a new laptop so then that he we... he won't have a record of when he wrote the story. So that when we accuse him of plagiarism... Because there's no way he would have, like, emailed the story to his girlfriend so he could get feedback. No! Uh, to be fair, we're just lucky he didn't write on a typewriter. <laughs> I'm. What would John? No one ever checks Jonathan's. Yeah, no one checks his timestamps. He just says he has one. Also, they did the scam. How could they have done it before he got into? I. Mm. Yeah, it's. Anyway, so now he's going to have to talk in front of the the headmaster and the disciplinary committee Friday. Except for he doesn't. He talks in front of something completely other different group on Friday. The headmaster's not there. Nope, and neither is. Any Jonathan sense. isn't there, which but you know who is there? Donna and Brent. I and Betty. I'm sorry, and his dad. I'm sorry, we're skipping around a lot, but this episode is a lot. Speaking of his dad, Jughead goes to his dad, being like, "I need advice." And J- well, Aaron, FP. Aaron, hold on, hold on. You can't forget this, Aaron. It's Thursday. Oh, that's right. So FP's like, oh, they're going to tarnish your reputation. Our name is important. I am FP Jones. They're going to make me look bad. <laughs> I'm a sheriff and a serpent. I've done both those things at the same time. And Jughead's like, well, help me then, Dad. And he's like, um. <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a Betty situation. And Betty's like, yes, I have many plans. <laughs> I will definitely help you. But first, yes. we got to go to Riverdale High, where the kids took... A test, and it was hard. Yeah. Uh, And this is where I think we get our hint that Veronica's really spiraling, because Kevin goes, what even was that question about? I can't remember what he said. And then Veronica goes, there's a question about that? 
and I think that was supposed to be our thing. Like, oh my god, she doesn't even remember. She was too drunk to remember what was on the test. But she seems decidedly not drunk. And also, that is something I can imagine Veronica saying in a normal episode. Well, it'll be clarified for us, because in storms Mr. Honey, who has decided to do a routine locker search. Once again, doesn't this seem like this is something that like Hiram would be like, yeah, do a locker search there. Yeah, check Veronica's locker, but, make a routine. But no, he's just a, he's just a, ba- a mean dude. <laughs> so he shows the flask. And... Then things are about to get confusing. And I'm just going to say now, I've been wildly indifferent towards Veronica, which is not the way I'm supposed to feel about her. I know I'm supposed to love her. Yeah. I now hate her with the fieriest of passions. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to my side of the the river. Aaron, it's not any better over here. She's garbage. She is garbage. Oh, she's real bad. Let's explain why she's garbage. Well, let's begin by saying that Mr. Honey proceeds to, I guess, threaten her in a way. Yeah, he says that he's going to tell Bernard, which I have found out. Yeah is a college that is a part of Columbia University. So, so she did get into Columbia. Okay. What Do you know what would have been really great if they didn't assume we knew that information? Because we're Canadian and a lot of the kids watching this are 14. Well, I... Is, and, like, there hey, are Amer- non-American hey, American, viewers. Well, mind that. Hey, Americans. Did you know that? Because... It is a women's liberal arts college that is a part of I, Columbia. That, that feels like something they should have said in... The earlier scene when it's like, oh, this, oh, this woman, she's from Bernard. It's a liberal woman. It's a woman's liberal arts college. It's part of Columbia. She could have told Archie that. That's the thing that Archie would not know <laughs> and could be reasonably told. Are you just saying Columbia? Like you tell us so many things we don't need to know. But Why you, not tell us this? But I had I wrote down that I was like, wait, Columbia saw her drinking at the speakeasy because that's the threat he makes. Yeah. Yeah. He says, we're going to tell Bernard. And she says, Bernard saw me drinking at my speakeasy. I like the idea that she, he says that to he, She says that to him. And he doesn't go, what? She <laughs> doesn't say that you, you own a speakeasy? You know, I don't know a lot about college admissions. But I cannot imagine my high school <laughs> ever being like, you're in trouble. We're going to call your college and tell you what, you what you did. I mean, I know, Aaron, but you know Mr. Honey is a teenager, right? That's true. <laughs> he I'm... definitely is going to tattle on her. And then comes Archie. And Archie says, oh, no, sir. It was my flask. My locker door is broken. And I know Veronica's locker combination. So I put my flask in her locker. It me. It was. You know, I just had such a hard year. And I'm like, this is definitely worse for Art. Like, Veronica was like, this, nothing was going to happen to Veronica. Yeah, Bernard's not going to do anything, but Archie is already in the baddest of books. I know that he owns two businesses, one of them which is looking after children at a community center. However, Honey does not hate Archie, so he's like, oh, well, I'm spend you for two days and call your mom. I'm going to call. Oh, no, he, he adds it as the last thing, which just cements how much Honey is a teenager. I'm going to call your mom. <laughs> and I just want to point out that at no point does Veronica say no or Archie don't do this. No, because she, she's she's thankful that somebody is willing to catch her instead of her having to deal with her own issues. That someone is willing 
at no point she's like, you destroyed your life for me. She's like, cool, thanks. You rock. You know, yeah, let's, you know what? Let's go right to that scene. Veronica, essentially, she goes and she thanks him. And Archie says to her, well, I, I have nothing to lose. You have everything to lose. And she does not say, why don't you have anything to lose? What's wrong? Yeah, no, it's, it's just she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Thank you, Archie. You oh. do have nothing to lose. You're a loser, and I'm oh, great. Yeah, but I feel like, you, like you, and then she tries to have sex with him. And, and he's and, like... No, hold on. We're, definitely something's going on here, which I could not tell because she's acting normal. Well, he's like, you are having sex with me in a classroom in the <laughs> middle of the day. This is different from having sex in the music room, which no one but me goes into because Josie's gone. There's no music class, Veronica. <laughs> there is science class. Yes, yeah, so you, you've met the teacher. He showed you how your rum worked. And she's like... What? You don't want to have sex with me? You suck. Boo! Yeah, and like, once again, that is going off the line of, uh, emotional teenager dealing with a close family member becoming ill. But everything leading up to that was just pure, selfish Veronica just being glad somebody else is willing to jump on the spear so she didn't have to dirty herself. And I'm okay with her being selfish and lashing out because he won't have sex with her in the science room. Because that's a spiral. The other stuff... I think we're supposed to like her. Like, I think we're supposed to be like, oh, their love is so pure. I, I, th- I think we're supposed to be like, oh, Archie, y- you really do care about her. I'm like, yeah, but she cares nothing for him. Yeah, she's not troubled or conflicted by that at all. This this show is wild with one-sided relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, with Tony and Cheryl, Veronica and Archie, Betty and Jughead is fine at times although jughead sometimes does not trust betty's strength and and betty at times just doesn't feel like telling jughead things <laughs> and they get mad at him when he does it so which is once again drama relationships is fine but very they're realistic n- but they're not dr- but they're not dramatic with the proper things like the tony and shell relationship should definitely be about how one-sided it is the Veronica and Archie relationship should be about how one-sided it is. But, but they're oh always my god, about... it's relationship goals. Yeah. Well, in between those two scenes, there actually is another scene. Jughead and Betty bring the lie detector test. I assume the one they got from Charles. I guess, that's what I wrote down as well. Like, they got a lie detector, I guess, from Charles. And they take it to Stonewell. And Jonathan's like, oh, no, I have nothing to prove. I won't take the test. Oh which... God. <laughs> immediately proves that he's guilty. Y- yeah. yeah. Innocent people will take a lie detector even, test. Even if, yeah, it's true, the lie detector won't, won't like, do anything. But, like, this is also isn't like, you know, you're you're in a place where, like, oh, man, these people might try to, uh, uh, you know, trick me. and They might try to, you know, use this lie detector against me. He's like, no, you're saying with a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> and so Betty is like, oh, no, I don't want you to take the lie detector. I want Jughead to. So I can prove to you guys that we know that you're liars, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. There's no outcome to this. They just do it. Jughead's like, I did write my short story. And they're like, okay. We we know. Like, what does that prove? He's like, because I proved a negative. And then John is like, this doesn't prove anything. You still suck. And Betty's like, I will burn you to the ground, Donna. Can I point out, they started really hard in, I guess, the end of last episode, in this episode, to be like, to shift Betty from Brett to Donna. Then now now, now Donna is her, like, oh, that's, that's her enemy. It's been her enemy all along. Here's the thing. You can't yell at Brett. Brett is like a brick wall. I mean, I know, but if it reeks of this sort of trope that comes up in a lot of like action movies and things like that, which is the designated girl fight, which is where you have like there's the big bad guy and he has like 
the the female sidekick because that's what the hero's female sidekick mm. will eventually fight because I mean oh they can't fight that that'll be a man that'll be man and woman fighting each other but you know who Betty should really fight Jonathan Jonathan he or, pretended to be nice and he's not nice or even just they should have set up her and Don like Donna could have easily been the one in sorry of the they could have easily set Donna up as the one who she hates early on. They could have said her, but she was the, in charge of the quiz team. She could have been immediately suspicious of Donna when Donna did her dumb lie about having sex with Chipping. She was immediately suspicious, but for some reason they she pulled forgot. it. They pulled it back and put her on Brett. And so now for this episode, she ha- she full on calls Donna a bitch, which is true. Which but... is which is true, but like comes kind of out of nowhere. Also true. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What'd you learn this week? I looked up speed chess. Oh. So if you remember last episode, the, uh, was it? Uh, the chess duel? The chess duel involved something called speed chess. Is that why they had the timer and they were tapping the thing? That's why they had the timer, yes. And it's something that I, you see a whole lot. Sometimes it's also called fast chess. So I thought I would look it up. I thought I would just see how, how it specifically works. Hmm. Aaron. You don't know anything about speed chess. I do not. Just from your perception of watching that game. Tell me what you, how you think it works. You do a chess, but instead of ruminating over a move for seven weeks, you got to do it fast and you got to press a button when yeah. it's the other person's turn. It's like lacrosse and chess mixed together. Or else... You lose? I mean, yes. So the way speed chess works is that each person is actually given a time. Usually, standard is like 60 minutes. Could be all the way up to 120 minutes. And that is their total time for their entire game oh so they're both ticking down and whenever they switch it's essentially now the other person's clock is ticking and if you run out of time and the other player can get you into checkmate then you lose oh so the other person like if you run out of your time the other person could just move forever until i think that's they te- run out of their i think that's time. technically the way it works but, but they, very don't, rarely they don't they don't run that. it that way usually it just happens that if you run out of time as long as the other player has the pieces that mm. could create checkmate, they win, or else it becomes a draw. Okay. Uh, there's a few uh, versions of speed chess, um, different ways that it's like called. There's a lot of like, regimental bodies. I'm not getting into all that. <laughs> I'm just getting how it's played. Okay. Um, so there, this, the normal version of speed chess is some, usually between more than eight minutes, less than 60 minutes. Okay. Um. You can also have something called time increments, where every time you play, uh, every time you make a move and you press the the button, you get time. So oh. you get like 10 seconds every time a move. So if you make a move in less than 10 seconds, you actually will gain time. Ooh. Now that is – now that can be – different Mm -hmm. um like for example there's the fide world rapid championship where each player has 15 minutes plus 10 seconds per move starting from move one then there's also blitz blitz is 10 minutes or less uh and more so this is time they have total between each other um and you could have like um the the fide world blitz championship they each have three minutes and two seconds additional time per move starting from move one then there's bullet, which is less than three minutes per player. It could go like one minute games or thirty seconds per players. And the idea is that mostly it's based on like playing so fast that you get the increments up. That's cool. And then there's Armageddon. 
Armageddon is a game guaranteed to produce a decisive result. So the deal with Armageddon is that um, black has draw odds, which means a draw is a victory for them. Oh. But white has more time on the clock. Armageddon. Yeah. So they're so like they have different rules, but they're still like and the clock's also very low, so it's like common time is like six minutes for white and five minutes for black. So that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. It's cool to see. It's cool to see because I see the pop up, pop up in a lot of things. It's one of the specific rules. And as you, as I said, um, you losing you if you lose on time, it's just you run out of your clock runs out of time before your opponents does. Yeah. What is cool is they didn't give us that whole background in the episode, but I feel like they represented it in a reasonable. Yeah. Thoughtful way that then made you curious to learn. And that is how a TV show should introduce information. Yeah. Like, it's, um, like, that. that's, and that was that's something that was, so you've seen a lot of things. It's one of those things where there's enough in the cultural zeitgeist, enough in the cultural eye that we're all like, oh, I recognize. They're doing something yeah. there. I may not know the specific rules, but I get it. And they didn't feel the need to be like, let us explain this incorrectly. Yeah. In fact, all of that stuff. I mean, to be fair, the boxing one's pretty easy. <laughs> but like the fe- fencing too. It was enough that you were like, all right, I get it. I get it. I still think they should have looked different. Uh, fun note. Uh, so <laughs> chess boxing. Uh-huh. They play speed chess between the rounds. Usually about five minutes. <laughs> oh, it could have just been one thing, but then they couldn't have come to a draw. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so back at the... All ages club. Tony arrives to meet Rosa because now is the next day. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's no, it's still Thursday. Yeah, but she met with her yesterday. Oh, yes, you're right. That's what you mean. So they flirt. They flirt. I wasn't sure, but they definitely dance. They flirt. They dance. Then Cheryl comes in, and all three of them dance. And then Cheryl and Tony dance, dance. and then they kiss. And and Rosa sort of watches them do it, and also dances in the background, real awkwardly. And I. I'm assuming they're going for titillating. This was really uncomfortable. It was very unsettling. It went, it went on for way too long, and Rosa looks so much older than them. It was like so, a predator situation. It, 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 like, and I, maybe we're supposed to get, like, oh, from me, like, oh, but they're actually luring her. But it still felt... And, like, you could tell they were luring her, but also I don't trust the show at all. Yeah, and also it's the weirdest thing for the society. Like, we're going we're gonna to lure in, but also, first of all, we're going to make out on this floor. Like, it's it's the exact opposite of how Tony seduced, quote-unquote, seduced um, Nick, where she's like, hey, get over here. And he's like, all right. Maybe it's like a commentary on the difference between women and men. Rosa was Rosa did not need that. She wanted them. She was like, no, let me. We'll go. We'll go. Like, I don't need to be a part of this. I love the idea of these two people. It's Hermosa, by the way. Yeah. I love the idea of these two people trying to trick each other, but both of them be like, well, first we have to do sexy or seduction things. And both like, ah, but they both want to go somewhere else. <laughs> Interlude, Veronica's drinking maple mojitos. Gross. Oh, yeah, that has to be terrible. It's mint maple. <laughs> and lime. And lime. <laughs> anyway, she's drinking that at the Maple Club, and then Ugh. she gets a message from Veronica, and Veronica, or sorry, from Cheryl, and Cheryl's like, let's snap the trap. Prepare the sweet. Nothing is prepared. They just take Hermosa into the suite, and they're like, ha-ha, you're Hermosa. <laughs> we tickled a boy here a week ago. <laughs> No, we're gonna take your wig off. Hoo-hoo. And it's Hermosa. Yeah. And, and then then Veronica just like 
it tells her. like, you're trying to steal my rum stuff. And Hermos is like, duh, you're a dumb child. Well, I know that she's like, oh, you're trying to get into the Maple Club. You get there. I'm like, yeah, you kept the same name. The fact that the, the fact that Hiram sent Hermosa at all is insane when he could just. But did Hiram send Hermosa? Or did she send herself as a way to make him feel better because he's sick? Because what is revealed in this scene no. <laughs> is Hermosa knows that he's sick because he told her. And Veronica's like, <gasps> he told you? Oh, and yeah. And not me? So as much as I love to dwell on more than I think that there's Hermosa thing. Th- Veronica's insane insult. Like, he trusted you more than me. I'm like, Veronica, you have been outwardly aggressively fighting him for ye- for two years at the very least. You changed your last name and said your job on Earth was to destroy him. This the the this goes way, way back to season one Veronica when she was like, oh, this is how us lodge women do. We parry and rep- as she was spending her mom's money. Mm. We parry and repose, but it's all a game. I think Veronica thinks this is all a game. And the fact that her dad did this, she's like, what? Didn't he get the joke? (laughs) Well, we will talk about whether or not he got the joke. But first, there is a prolonged montage where in the middle of the night, Veronica, Betty, and Jughead break into Donna and Joan's room saying, don't worry, we'll be fast. They're in film class. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, and then they go down to the Sanctum, <laughs> because and, no one's booked it that night. And then they go to the seminar room. Yep. And then in DuPont's desk, because these kids have no shame, they find an envelope. And the envelope says, Baxter's, Baxter Brothers novel, ready for printing. The boy in the river. <gasps> so I guess Jughead, this is not Friday. <laughs> this is. This is still Thursday. This is still Thursday. I don't know where he's meeting him. Well, they do meet DuPont, because I guess he lives at the school. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, hey, this is my book, but you changed some things in it. And, and DuPont's like, yes, all of your Power Ranger colleagues work together to make a Megazon. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Megazon. I was going to leave with that. Um, <laughs> the, the, there's a lot here. One of them is that uh, Jughead... Is like, well, you told me the Brotherhood didn't want this. And I'm like, didn't the Brotherhood say they didn't want it? But I look back, no. DuPont tells him, and then he meets with the Brotherhood. And then he talks about other stories. But doesn't that mean, the, what's happening there? Because the Brotherhood must have already gotten the boy in the river. Unless and if, liked it. So now they think he's pitching his second book? Yeah, like, what, 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 that's why I can't figure out how deep this goes. Because it really feels like DuPont and the back, and the, um, the Power Rangers are trying to work around... I'm just keep calling the Brotherhood. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to work around the Brotherhood, but the Brotherhood seems all... seem are Like, like they're not involved, but... But then DuPont's like, no, your contract says we can just steal your stories. Well, okay, he said... So... And, and you know, this this is actually entirely fair. Which is fair. He, he says that the du- he says that we own your story, which is true, you're a ghostwriter, and we and so we hired other ghostwriters to work on it. Jughead still gets paid. Yeah, he still did the base work on the story. Yeah, like... They can't just dissolve his contract. That is illegal. Yeah, like, (laughs) there's no way you wrote a contract that said, you gotta write a story for us. We use as much of it as possible, and at any time we can just decide not to pay you. That feels so illegal. 
So what Jughead needs to do is not do all this nonsense and go get a contract lawyer. <laughs> Which I guess would be Molly Ringwald Andrews because she's the lawyer for everything. Because Sierra, uh, Josie is gone. Yep. <laughs> Which means Sierra's gone too. But as he reveals, um, as Aaron said, they all, all who, who's this ghostwriter? It was all the classmates, which is just the Power Rangers. Cool. Aaron, do you get it? It's like how they all stabbed Julius Caesar. Do you get it? They all work together. Aaron. Do you get Aaron? Look at me. I have an important question. Do you get it? In this analogy, who is Brutus? Because he thought Brutus was his friend. Aaron, it doesn't go that deep. <laughs> this is a bad analogy. It's a ter- Wait, was it Jonathan? <laughs> is Jonathan Brutus? Is it Donna? I mean, no, Donna. it's Joan. Don- <laughs> Joan's Joan. never done anything. I thought you were the one I could trust. <laughs> because you've never had any lines. You, you've never spoken before. She speaks so much this episode. Oh my god, we get so much Joan Berkeley. <laughs> but first, Archie goes to Veronica's house to make sure she's okay. Because she's been acting crazy, appar- apparently. I mean, she didn't thank him. Nope, she didn't stop him from throwing his entire life under a bus. Yeah, so but that's crazy. Yeah, but would she have not? Would she, she seems like she would have done the same thing if she wasn't. And he's just like, this crazy party girl thing isn't you. And I'm like, that's literally what she was introduced as. But now she's a business girl. Anyway, she, and then someone breaks down and tells Archie about how Hiram is dying. And he's like, cool. My dad's dead. Sure wish I could have made the most of my time with him, even though I did. And she's like, no, hold on. We're talking about me. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. This this is the perfect moment. So you can write people literally saying their emotions in times of great distress because mm-hmm. that's what human beings do. This is the moment for her to say, I feel conflicted because on one hand, my father's been very, very terrible. He's been all these things. But on the other hand, he is my father. Instead, she's just like, I feel lost because my father is... My mooring. Yeah, he's everything to me. He's my... Which, once again, goes in the idea that I really think that she just thought she was playing a fun game with the guy who tried to kill her boyfriend. And Archie's like, well, your father did try to kill me. Archie also doesn't care. He's like, oh no, Hiram's pretty chill. You should spend time with him. Well, then he's like, you know, there's some things I know about your dad. You should make him angry. If anyone knows how to get him fired up, it's you. There's no logistical reason why he said that line, by the way. He's being like, you got to spend time with him. She's like, I can't sit by and watch him waste away. And he's like, all right, fine, just piss him off then, <laughs> I guess. Now, here's an insane thing that has happened that you will not know because you did not watch this on TV, and I did. No, I didn't. There was an interlude. The interlude was Cheryl sleeping in a bed by herself, and then she woke up and screamed and was like, oh, no, it's you. It was an ad to tell us that cigarettes are bad. Uh, wait, no one smokes in this episode. Remember how in season one we had, like, fun makeup commercials? Wait, but no one smokes in this ep- in this No one series. smokes in this series. No one has ever smoked ever. No one smokes. Cigarettes are bad. They'll kill you. I know, but no one. It's not like they. What? <laughs> It's an anti-cigarette ad. It's like when we got that that teen pregnancy (laughs) thing where they're like, hey, this is bad. And we're like, yeah, we know. (laughs) We know on the show it turned out good, but sometimes it doesn't. But no one smokes. Like, Like, don't get me wrong. 
Is it, I agree. <laughs> but, I'm also perplexed why it was an anti-cigarette ad and not an anti-vaping ad with their target demographic in mind. Yeah, or or don't drink, don't underage drink ad. Yeah, don't be like Veronica. She seems cool. There's so many other things they could be like. Hey, don't you know what? Just don't do anything in this show. But they said the one thing that hasn't happened in that show. I cannot think of anyone smoking in that show. Maybe like. A Dickinson clan boy? I don't know. Now I want to know. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. Tis the Ides of March. <gasps> and it starts with a bang. Oh, Veronica needs to get um, her fired up. So she comes in and gives a presentation. Now I'm suspicious. So her rum is Red Raven rum, which is actually kind of clever. Yeah. And she does like a like a customer survey. Apparently at some point. <laughs> Against Red Raven's competitors, yeah. Lodge Rum yeah. and Lodge Spiced Rum. Yeah. So my question is, did Hiram steal her recipe for spiced rum? I think he did. Cool. I think he mentioned that in an earlier one. No, he said he put out a spiced rum that was so close to it, like the retroactive. It was bad. So anyway, she is really making her business happen. People love her rum. And s- Cheryl is making a maple thing happen faster. So by the end of the year, this is March. Yeah. They will be producing 300% more I do, maple I, rum. They do keep, people keep saying last year, end of the year. And I'm like, that's a long time away. I've, you, it feels like you think it's closer than it is. But then why the Maple Club? <laughs> so she does this, and Hiram's face lights up with joy, and he says, Veronica, great work. You've awoken the dragon. I will destroy you. <laughs> he also thinks they've just been doing a fun game. Yeah, <laughs> and I like how her, like, so... Hermione and Hermosa are both like, what are you doing? And she's like, this will make him not sick anymore. (laughs) And I'm like, that's not how muscular diseases work. I mean, this will make him happy for his final days. (laughs) Oh, don't get me wrong. It'll make him very happy. But Veronica says, I will save him from his disease. Which, again, makes me think, maybe no disease? His hand did shake, though. I I don't know. And also, this is a terrible... I understand they're like, oh, but that's just their relationship. But I hate their relationship. Yeah, it's It's, not good. It's greatly unhealthy, not even, not just for them, but for everyone around Veronica. Including her mom and her sister. Yeah, it 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 is the definition of a toxic relationship. Well, this is going on. We have a short scene between Betty and Jughead that we could delve into, but it's basically them being like, but what if the Power Rangers and DuPont were bad? What if they're all bad? Which leads into a scene where Betty's talking to Donna and be like, Donna, what if you're all bad? And Donna's like, I'm going to deal with this by not drinking my milkshake. Oh, I'm glad you also mentioned that. I hate when they always have these meetings that just before the food and someone leaves before. Well, then... It most infuriated me because she did this thing at the end, which would be cool if she did it to Betty's milkshake. But instead, she sticks her finger in her own milkshake <laughs> and sucks the milkshake off her own finger. Yeah, that's not as much of a power move as she thinks it is. It just seems like she's like, I really wanted a milkshake, but I got to leave right now. So, uh. Betty, I don't like being a bad guy. Donna, I, I said this after we recorded last time, but I really felt like once they said, like, oh, maybe Donna's the ringleader. I thought they were going to reveal that, like, Donna is DuPont's granddaughter. 
I don't feel that way anymore because it feels like now they've gone to, no, they're all the ringleader. Yeah, because I don't understand why DuPont hates Jughead. DuPont hates Jughead. Well, I guess Jughead did threaten to reveal his book stealing. So never mind. I do understand why DuPont hates Jughead. Yeah, but once again, we went from like, oh, what if Brett's the leader to, oh, what if Dawn's the leader to, they're all bad? I'm like, yes, we know. They're all bad. We've been watching the show. It's like when they revealed to us that Clifford Blossom was the murderer and we're like, yeah, that makes the most sense. Or when Hal was the Black Hood. We're like, yeah, stop doing things that make the most sense. So Jughead works on his book, and Brent's like, why'd you work on your book? You're going to get kicked out, dummy. And even if you don't get kicked out and you try to tell the truth, I'm going to show a sex tape. Now, once again, this should not be as much of a threat as everyone will give it credibility to. Because here's the thing. Betty makes her own argument for why it's not a threat. My argument is Betty didn't get into Yale. Betty's mom already knows about the sex tape. Who are they showing this to? Yeah, and who, like, don't get me wrong, it'll be embarrassing, but she's also leaving high school, like... And the only thing that's going to happen is people are going to be like, oh my god, someone taped an underage girl having sex. Yeah. She is a victim. Do you know what will happen here? Oh man, they actually might be 18 now. Oh, they are 18. But someone's going to be like, someone taped that girl having yeah. sex. She is a victim. I was trying to figure out if Brett would get arrested for, for child, child pornography. pornography. Um, oh, definitely some of the people he's videotaped are definitely underage. Oh, yeah. Uh, he definitely would go. Yeah, it's so weird. The show's like, like, I mean, once again, I get it. And maybe we shouldn't be looking this closely at this specific plot line. The thing is, it's Betty, though. If it was a different character, I'd be like, ooh. Well, if, like, like, if Archie had a sex tape leaked, I'd be like, oh, poor Archie. Yeah, or, or I'm... Mm. Monroe? Monroe I would feel really bad about. Because and that would actually, like, Monroe... That actually would, That yeah. would impact his future. But, the, I mean, the thing is, not that it wouldn't impact Betty's future, but, like, Betty, once again, which, I mean... She, she says she's, it later. She says it later. Like, she's already been rejected from Yale because she's the daughter of a serial killer. This is not going to add anything to it. And Jughead is an idiot for thinking that it would. Yeah, he should know his girlfriend better than this. So... Uh, we get a quick scene here with Archie where he <laughs> tries to sell the construction company, but it's too sad. Yeah, he's like, oh, no. He he invited Vic there. He was he had the papers all drafted up. He was about to write sign his name and goes, no, I can't. And my Vic's my, like- my, gr- my grandfather b- built this business and he gave it to my dad. And now I'm going to run it into the ground. And Vic's like, why are you wasting my time, boy? Once again, Vic seems nice. We only see him this one moment. But when Archie goes, I can't sign Vic just goes, what? <laughs> but I just want to own a company, Archie. I'll do good. <laughs> Archie will run that company into the ground. Because he is a boy who's in high school and does not have time to run a company. Like, it's ridiculous that the show thinks we should be like, yeah, Archie, you can do everything. It's ridiculous that the show wants us to root for anyone. <laughs> Aaron. It's time for the tribunal. This, with, with who, who, who is there? DuPont is running it. <laughs> DuPont's running it. The headmaster is not there. Because there's no other man. <laughs> Jonathan is not there. The accuser. And they mention at one point that, hey, if you don't do what we say now, we'll do this in a public setting. And I'm like, I thought this was the public setting. Because FP is there, and Betty is there, and Brent is there. This, Brett, this, yeah, and Bre- Don is Brett, there. And, and Joan is there. Just not Jonathan. This is like a pre-trial meeting. It's 
wild. I almost think it's the Brotherhood because they're just not shadowy this time. So DuPont says, I got permission from the headmaster to offer you this deal. Either you can withdraw or you can stay and fight in public. But you won't win because we have the power. (laughs) I... I think this is what happened to his grandfather. And if it's not, man, you really messed up on a... <laughs> yeah, a real good On analogy. a real good analogy. Is there a sex tape of his grandfather? <laughs> There's no, just one of those old, like, really... Like crank <laughs> Do you hear something? No. <laughs> so Jughead is a dumb sap and agrees to leave. And FP's like, chases him out of the room and is like, Why are you a dumb sap? Why are you agreeing to leave? And Jughead says, It's all fixed. The game is fixed against me. Like, this is the, the uh, this, Aaron, can I just, I wrote this line, I wrote this line down because it might be so much. This secret society's boring. <laughs> it used to be so it good does, when we didn't know it existed. It doesn't feel malicious. And maybe we'll learn more about specifically the Cool and Skull. But they're not sinister. They just hate Jughead. Yeah, they don't seem. And Jughead, to be fair, is kind of a dick <laughs> sometimes. He likes to shout about how he's better than most people because he's poor. <laughs> he, I mean, it's true. He did have that was the crux of his therapy episode, and he he was one of the few people who actually got better. Yeah. Well, Archie, uh, after deciding not to sell the Archie the um, Andrews construction site, did steal the sign though, and brought it to the community center. So I guess he could look at it and be like, "I own two failing companies." But he has made a good choice. He will now hire Tom Keller as the foreman, and he will pay him some money until the company gets off its feet. A reduced salary. Tom Keller agreed to that. Tom Keller's like, this is better than no salary, which is what I had before. Also, when he says to hire him, could you tell me what his expression was? Hiram's confused. I wrote down, Hiram dot 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 likes it? Question mark? He gives an indecipherable look. Whereas I was like, no. Because <laughs> he comes in, he's like, oh, so you so you, so you, sold the company, but you kept the side. I was like, no. I kept both of them. And Hiram goes, what? what? <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to taunt why you. Do you. Why do you even talk to me? I, I actually tried to do something nice for you. I actually did. And you're like, no. I'm not. Whatever. He's like, but I do like family. Better go fight with Veronica. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So Jughead is packing up his room, and in come Brett and Donna to taunt him and invite him and his friends to their dumb Ides of March party. And earlier we learned that, like, oh, they have an Ides of March party in the woods. You know, the woods, where people die. The woods. And Jughead's like, I will go to this party. And Betty's like, what? Like, don't, don't worry, Betty. Don't worry, Betty. I, I, everything he will says, be fine. And I quote, you trust me, right? I have a plan. First, I have to take care of that leverage, Brett. I love you. You know I love you, right? Yeah, so I'm like, okay, so we're doing this now? We're doing this now? There's about 10 minutes episode left in this episode. We're doing this now? I don't understand Jughead's plan. Oh, Aaron, this plan is... Oh, man, it's not even cosmic brain. It goes beyond that. I know they're going <laughs> to explain it to us. I don't think it'll but make sense. But I don't sense. know how they can. Well, let's start seeing it. Because after Archie and Veronica are invited... And we learn that Archie does have a plan. And his plan is a good plan. Yeah. He's going to go to summer school, take a gap year, and... Okay, this is a dumb part of his plan. And apply to colleges for spring semester. No, take the entire year off. Make lots of money. <laughs> Build your businesses. You have businesses, Archie. You definitely cannot go to college and run two businesses. But then you can start in the fall. Take a full gap year, dum-dum. Or... 
actually, if you get those biz- those two businesses working, just work at the jobs. Yeah, you don't need go to, to go, go to college. To, go to college later. Like, get the jobs all set up and going. Then go and get a business degree or something. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, it's it's a decent plan for yeah. him. And now, Aaron, the Ides of March. Which Veronica and Archie go to because Veronica would like to hang out all four of the main characters. They Just will the not. Just four of them. They, <laughs> they will, will not. not. <laughs> they will not. So Jughead prepares. He puts on his, his serpent jacket. He has a knife. He also has a creepy bunny mask. Yes, that's been going around. Because, all right. Get it? It's a reference. This party is a dumb Julius Caesar Midsummer Night's Dream party. <laughs> it's dumb and I hate it. And once again... Brett decides, I'm going to submit Julius Caesar, because he does not get the Ides of March. Now, Jughead isn't there yet. Betty goes to find him. Veronica wants to have sex in the woods. So, very quickly, I want to clarify this part right now. We were shown that Veronica constantly wanting to have sex with Archie was a way for her to hide her emotions as a dealing with the death of her father. But now it's a good, fun thing. Yeah, but now it's... It's, they just do it anyways, and I'm like, look, it's fine, the teens want to have sex. Don't do it in the same episode where you were using it as a, it's like if we cut back into the OC, after Marissa had her overdose on pills and alcohol. Then then she just had some casual alcohol. (laughs) Then at the end of the episode, she's like, I'm glad I'm happy now, and just takes a big mimosa and pops some pills. Like, it's good now, because I'm in a good place. Don't, you're, you're, don't do that, that's bad, that's just. Also, don't have sex in the woods. There's, like, sticks and dirt and stuff. It was just a reason to get them to go someplace else. Find a better reason than them having sex. So both of our leads, all of our leads, have wandered off. Then Jughead comes. He takes off his beanie. He puts on his bunny mask. He stares at Brett. Brett taunts him. He knows it's Jughead, and Brett wants to fight in the woods. Yeah, let's finish this. Let's go into the woods, uh, which means they miss Betty. But do you know who Betty does not miss? Donna. Donna enters the woods. And Betty, because now they are designated girl fighters, explains that she doesn't care about the sex tape. And Donna's like, but I know something worse than the sex tape. Yes, and and also your your, uh, Black Hood father, because you said that to me right now. But I, I went to the prison, and I talked to Chick? No, (laughs) Evelyn. Yeah, Evelyn. And I found out about the the word they said. He's like, tangerine? No, I fixed that. (laughs) Donna's like, no, there's another word. Like, wait, they programmed her twice? Don't do not do this twist. <laughs> and apparently the first programming was to make Betty kill Betty. Well, no, no, the first programming was to make other people kill Betty. No, Betty also had a tangerine programming on herself. Oh, right. So she would kill Betty. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and now she has a second programming to kill everyone she loves. <laughs> sure, that is how this works. Sure, sure. We, we already accept it as a thing that people do. It's weird, once again, how they never mention that her mother has a trigger in her head. There's no, there's, it never could come up again. And the, why, 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 would there be one? why would Evelyn and Edgar do this? Yeah, why, I, I mean, I guess because, they remember, they hate Betty. The, no, they love Betty. No, they hate Betty. <laughs> that's why they had all the assassins for her. And that's why they programmed her to kill the people she loved in her head which she can't go back in time and fix because apparently it's not connected to the entire other thing tangerine was connected to her killing a cat this other word is connected to nothing unless it is and this is jughead's elaborate plan (sighs) okay 
Veronica and Archie come back from the woods. They do not see their friends. And Jonathan and Joan are like, hmm, your friends are in the woods. And then as they head off, Brett and Donna, oh, they're not with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Now they're together. And the four Power Rangers watch <laughs> Archie and Veronica, who they've never met before. But they definitely want them to find this. Uh, and they find Betty. And she's standing there in and the woods. And she's holding a rock. And it's the Betty, what did you do moment. Yes. It, this is the moment, this, which I guess leads to them going in, going, Doing making a, a fire. Yeah. And burn. They immediately go from here to the fire. I guess so. But then Archie bends over Jughead and he says, there's no pulse. He's dead. And I ask, why are they being so performative? No one's there watching them. Well, I mean, Aaron, we're there watching them. Okay. So, huh. Wow, there's a, so many layers to this plan and here. And they're only giving us a week off to dissect all these layers. <laughs> oh. A week is not enough. I need five weeks. Oh, wild. Okay, um, we'll do uh, as much as we can uh, right now. Okay, so but, what was Jughead's plan? So, so at this point, Aaron, I have a question for you. Do we assume it's all going according to plan? I think we have to. We have to. We have to assume this is all going according to plan. Because there's no way that Betty actually killed Jughead. And, and here's the thing. We could we could do this discussion when we finally reveal the plan, and we probably will. Let's do it right now before we don't know what the plan is. Jughead has disposed of the evidence, which he's, which I think he, – here's the thing. I think that he did not say the tape on purpose. I think it's different evidence he was referring to. But what – so the evidence of I don't know. the book – Maybe the short story. Maybe he was destroying the short the short story. I don't know. And so then, I I have a question. Yeah? You know this flash forward oh, when yeah. Betty is cleaning out Jughead's room and mm-hmm. Brett's like, "Oh, you got what you wanted. Now we're going to Yale." Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, I assume what? Aaron. That is that's still a few weeks off. <laughs> also, is this spring break? I guess so. I would not call the, I would not call Friday the fifteenth of March spring break. No, March break is a thing. Well, I know, it, but it, I guess it starts on Monday. But I would, yeah, but I wouldn't call the Friday after work. Oh, spring break. Yeah, because they've all been in school. All we week. aren't. We just to be clear. We aren't wrong with the spring break thing, right? No, they said spring break. This is what the show does to us. It makes us. Qu- it gaslights us. It makes us question reality. Unless they don't burn him until Monday when it's spring break. Yeah, like, uh, are they going to do the thing where Archie checked his balls and he's like, oh, he's dead. And Jughead goes, no, I'm not dead. <laughs> Don't worry, it's my plan. No, you're just really bad, Archie, at figuring out where pulses are. I mean, Archie is not a first aider. He is not a first aider. He is not a doctor. But is this a part of the plan? Like, do Veronica and Archie know the plan? Well, not only that, is this part of the plan where they know that there's a trigger for Betty to go murder but they've removed that trigger so is that evelyn on their side is evelyn, now? <laughs> is evelyn now on this side what how does this they knew they knew that the power rangers would try to set betty off to kill jughead and why would the power rangers possibly go to the prison <laughs> well yeah why because i guess because they learned she was at the cult and edgar was dead so like oh let's go talk to evelyn but why i I, I don't know. Here's the thing. We are guessing that this is all part of the plan because that's what makes the most sense and would be interesting. But is there's a distinct chance that I don't think Jack is dead, but this is going to – and now the plan begins. He was like, we'll see what they do at this party no. and then I'll make a plan. No, my plan was to stab him. <laughs> but now they think I'm dead, so. So we're going to do something else. Like, are we are we just giving it too much – 
credits is not it's not doesn't this feel Aaron like the, like they came up with that final scene of the kids standing around burning Jughead's clothes being like and we can never talk about this and worked backwards yes <laughs> yeah yes yeah it very much does. it very much was like we know where we have to go we don't know how to get there and also we don't know how to drive <laughs> <laughs> But someone will tell us. Someone will tell us how to drive. <laughs> I just. Oh man, it's um, yo. This is not a perfect murder, Jughead. Your book is bad. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, <laughs> did you find? One CW moment. Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a single moment where logic developed the most convoluted plan it could possibly develop in order to expose its business partner's sister as a scam? Once again, my goal for you is to not make it a plot point. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Just very quickly. Just going back to what I was saying before. The other options that Jughead came up with this plan in the moment where Brett was like, come to the woods. And Jughead's like, everything. Explode. He was like, haha, my beautiful mind wall. It will show up. <sighs> All right. Do you have one? Do I have a single moment that is only for drama and not for logic? Oh, there are. There are. There a are... single moment. A single moment. Archie taking the fall for Veronica. Ooh, Aaron, that's a plot point. What plot point? Um, Character development for... I think the implication is that that helped Veronica get out of her... No, it actually it didn't. It changed no one. It did, it change, did nothing. Yeah, Veronica didn't even... That wasn't even really a good shift moment. I mean, I guess she ran away. I don't know. It wasn't good. No. No, because he still could have been like, I don't want to... Like, she still could have wanted to have sex in the science room. And he still could have yeah. been like, no. Was it comfortable to you how long that first sex scene continued for as well? That was a lot. It kept going. And I'm like, you should cut away by now. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I guess alternatively, I could have done the Tony and Cheryl dancing scene, but like that's a gimme. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a gimme. A lot of the moments where it's just like, "Hey, here's sexy things," and you're mostly just like, "Come on, let's hurry this up, I'm man." Tired I'm now. Tired. Show me something fun. Kevin, did you find a CW moment? Yeah, the CW moment's the lie detector scene. <laughs> that doesn't do anything. I'm just trying to think about what it could possibly do. It. It. it Were they- Jughead and Betty confused that maybe Jughead did accidentally steal the story? <laughs> I don't know what it proves. It it the only reason it makes sense is if once again they didn't realize they were all in on it and they're like, this way we'll get Joan on our side. Yeah, no, I think that's what its point was. Yeah, like Like I, duh, of course Joan was bad. Well, and being like, okay, Jugget, I because Betty did start with Betty being like, I have a plan. And her plan was like, we're gonna get a lie detector, and then you're gonna take it in front of them, and it's gonna prove to them that you're telling the truth. It's like, yeah, but they know. Yeah, like, and it wasn't even like it's not even like an intimidating thing. Like, seeing, no, it didn't scare them. They were just like, okay, seeing someone take a lie detector in front of you that you are tricking, and then be like, see, I told the truth, and you're like, I know, I was okay. tricking you. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm the one tricking you. I am adamantly lying. <laughs> I'm okay. It it was it was like they had the lie detector, like let's do a lie detector scene. <laughs> Look, hey, we still have that prop from that episode where Chick used it. We need to figure out a reason for Betty to be angry at Donna. This'll be the scene that makes Betty angry at Donna. Donna can say something mean in front of Betty. And, and now Betty's like, Yeah, Donna, you're my enemy. It, we could have set this up, you know. <sighs> 
through plot points. Through plot points or episodes ago, Donna could have been the head of the quiz show because come on. Because Brett can't be in charge of everything. But he is. Um, oh, man. That was that was not, <laughs> was not great. It was... It was the culmination of everything this season has been building towards and nothing culminated. Yeah, and also... It's the thirteenth. This is the 13th episode. Yeah, there's what, like, nine more episodes? Ten? Um, there's 22 episodes this season, so yeah, there's nine more. So we have the entire back half still. Yep, which will be... I guess... Stuff. Jugheads. But, like, there's no way Cole Sprouse is not in nine episodes. The problem I also have is that... Is that this feels like Veronica's storyline is done. And Archie's storyline is done. Yeah, like, is this just now, like, okay, now their stuff is done. Now they can only focus on this thing. But also interludes at the Maple Club. Oh, with and, Tony and Cheryl. And also God. Kevin and Fangs have their tickling porn. Yeah, I mean, I'm impressed that was set up this the episode before it came into play. That's true, that was very good. That is wild. They set it up an episode beforehand. This show never says anything else up an episode beforehand. I'm just... And Kevin was in this episode. He was confused about the test. He was confused about the test. Once again, that, that showed Veronica was spiraling. She didn't even know it was on the test. There was no Reggie. There was no Monroe. Nope. There was Monroe's grandmother. Man, this, this was... If... We... I know we, we don't want to always seem so negative. Um, so we usually try to find these joy things. This was not a great before break episode. I'm so glad it's only one week. Yeah, at least we got one week off. Um, we we have some considerations we're going to do for that week. Uh, do, you want to, do you want to say the big one we're thinking of? We want to try to watch Kitty Keen. Yeah. If it, we can access it. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to, um, to find because it's not on Netflix and the stuff that it does go on is America like you have to be in America to mm-hmm. catch it so we're gonna try to see if we can watch the first episode of Katie Keene uh did you know on Netflix they call it a musical <laughs> all right I assume because Josie plays some music I not I assume it's not a musical I did see a drag queen dance number at one of the promos well I mean it's as, it's as much a musical as Riverdale's a musical which is that occasionally there is music there's music and that- the characters sing it Pushes the storyline forward, maybe? No. Sometimes. No, it's just the characters sing the backing tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. They sing the songs. It's happening to someone else. Like when, like when, when Archie and Archie Veronica sing the sad song of Mad World. So we're ready to strip to. That did happen. That did happen. All right. Well, we can't talk about this forever. We do have to wrap this up. This episode is long. It's long, and I'm sorry that it's long, but man, there was a lot to delve into into this specific episode of Riverdale. There were of... so many questions to ask. Yeah, and the ones we got answered were not answered satisfactorily. Satisfactory. I still don't understand. I don't. Here's the thing. There's a conspiracy. I don't understand how. I don't understand how deep it goes. But not on the like, oh my god, how deep does it go? I just don't get it. <laughs> And I don't understand how Jughead's grandpa's involved. <laughs> it feels and ve- why he ran away. Yeah, it feels very shallow. I still don't think that's his grandpa. I think it was a cover, but now it's looking like it's just Dupont and the Power Rangers, and there's no like big Stonewall conspiracy because they're doing a lot of sneaking around for the fact that all Stonewall's involved. Also, there was a lot more kids at this party than there was during the duel last time, so I don't know. <laughs> don't know what's going on. Uh, but let's wrap this up. If you like this episode, if you have, if you liked this episode of Riverdale, and you could see. Uh, and you had like a, a, a 
you have your headcanon, your descriptions of what how you think this all works. If you know what Jughead's cosmic brain plan is. Talk us around. Hit us up on the social meets. Podcast Noah, Podcast MOA. We are also on Gmail, also Podcast Noah, and we're on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. And uh, see you next week for Katie Keen. Ooh. Is Jughead dead? How long will Jughead be dead for? Who's sending those VHS tapes? Oh, right. Well, maybe answers to that in two weeks on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. Teen drama fan cast. 